Hey, hey, glad you're here. If you want, open your Bibles to John chapter 12. John is giving us quite a picture of Jesus based off of his eyewitness experience. And starting in chapter 12, we're going to discover John's main point of emphasis in this document. You see, the first 11 chapters primarily cover the three-year ministry of Jesus. And then from chapter 12 to the end is really primarily dealing with the last week in Jesus' life here on earth. So nearly half of John's record deals with one week, Jesus' last week. Everything that John has written so far has been leading up to us stopping and camping with Jesus this final time. So let's observe and apply observations and applications. Chapter 12 begins with an anointing. The setting is already special because it's at Mary and Martha's house. And guess who's in attendance? Lazarus. This is shortly after Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. So the question is, how do you properly honor someone who has brought a member of your family back to life? <laughs> well, the text records that this special dinner was given in Jesus' honor. But reading between the lines, you can almost tell that that, that just isn't enough for Mary. She's got to do more. So we pick up the text in verse 3. Then Mary took about a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Mary's actions were expensive. The jar of perfume was worth a whole year's salary. That's some nice perfume. For some of those present, Mary's act of devotion was misplaced. I mean, hey, sell that jar of perfume and use the money for the poor, huh? For some, they thought Mary's gift was too much. But Jesus said that Mary had used this perfume for its exact ordained and intended purpose. He didn't stop her. He received her extravagant gift. He commended her publicly for it. And he revealed a deeper meaning behind what Mary was doing than Mary could have possibly known. She was anointing him for his burial. That would happen in just a few days. Maybe one application would be answering this question. How can I honor the one who has brought new life to my loved ones around me? Or what is a costly gift that I could offer, give straight to Jesus? You know, Jesus once said, I tell you the truth, anything you did for the least of these, my people here, you also did for me. Is there an act of costly devotion that we might want to give to Jesus through someone that's least, that, that's less fortunate? The kind of gift that others would think too much, but something that we know Jesus would receive and appreciate? I think each one of us kind of have to decide that for ourselves. Interestingly, 
John follows this story of Mary's costly gift with two very different reactions. Pick it up in verse 9. Meanwhile, a large crowd of Jews found out that Jesus was there and came, not only because of him, but also to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead. So the chief priests made plans to kill Lazarus as well. For on account of him, many of the Jews were going over to Jesus and believing on him. Okay, so one reaction is to move toward Jesus in faith, and another reaction was to remain against Jesus and anybody that looked like they were linked to him. It seems crazy to me to think that we could actually become so blind that we would see the only possible option is total annihilation of the opposition and anyone that's associated with the opposition. So the death plot is definitely for Jesus, but now it broadens and it's to include Lazarus also. Maybe the application here is is memorizing David's prayer from Psalm 139. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, I suppose that if we pray that prayer, we, we better be ready for him to remove the blinder or to the bottom of four. And next... John takes us to the infamous triumphal entry near the beginning of the Jewish annual celebration of Passover. And this time it would be different because this spontaneous organic movement breaks out when Jesus begins approaching the city. Palm branches are waved and coats are laid down. And Jesus comes this time not as a proud king on a mighty steed, but as a humble servant on a lowly donkey. Jesus is welcomed by the great crowd with shouts and praise and honor and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the King of Israel. And again, John follows this kingly entrance with two very different reactions. You pick it up again in verse 17. Now the crowd that was with him when he called Lazarus from the tomb and raised him from the dead continued to spread the word. Many people, because they heard that he had performed this sign, went out to meet him. So the Pharisees said to one another, See, this is getting us nowhere. Look how the whole world has gone after him. <laughs> so one, one reaction was to increasingly spread the word about Jesus and Lazarus. Another reaction was to grow increasingly frustrated with the spreading word of Jesus and Lazarus. The way we feel about Jesus will eventually show. It, it just can't stay hidden. Years back, some gold miners were digging for gold when one of the guys in the group struck open a stone. There was a big chunk of gold in that. Well, all the other guys came over, and then they found one stone after another, and then they found this giant mother load, and they hit, realized they hit the jackpot, and they were just so excited about realizing every one of them was going to become very wealthy. Well, they knew that they had to go back to town to get some more supplies and some more tools to properly mine this amazing find. But they agreed that, hey, don't breathe a word of it. Don't, don't say anything to anyone in the town. Let's just 
Let's just keep on our poker face and make sure nobody knows. Well, they went in, they got the supplies and everything, loaded everything up the wagon. As they started out, a crowd of people were following them. They turned around and looked at them. The people looked at them and said, we know that you found gold. And the miners said, somebody tell you? How do you know? The people responded, no one said anything. Just shows on your face. Maybe the best application here would be to allow what we believe in our head and heart to show itself on our face in the way that we live. I, I know we live in a mixed up world where they are actually calling things evil good and things good evil. I also know that if anyone has a reason to overflow with joy, it's the believer in Christ. Y'all, we have found an endless supply of something eternally more valuable than gold. Jesus is the death defier. How do you price that? How do you value that? Bottom line, Jesus and his power over death will either be something that we talk about more and more that comes up in conversation and it just finds its way into our relationships or it's going to be a source of frustration because deep down we just don't believe it. The next thing John writes about is a real gem. It tucked away in the middle of this chapter, almost incidentally. It's this crack in the door that no self-respecting Jew would ever dare to open. Jesus was a Jew. God chose the Jewish people to be his chosen nation. God sent Jesus as a Jew to reveal himself to the Jews. And yet look what John says happened. Start with verse 20. Now, there was some Greeks. That would be non-Jews. <laughs> there were some Greeks among those who went up to worship at the festival. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, which, by the way, is a Greek name, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, which is the only other apostle with a Greek name. Andrew and Philip, in turn, told Jesus. So, some of the non-Jewish people requested an audience with the Jewish Messiah, and this Jewish Messiah named Jesus says this, the hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Anyone who loves their life will lose it, while anyone who hates their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever, whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My Father will honor the one who serves me, and I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. Jesus, the Jewish Messiah, tells these non-Jewish Greeks that he's about to die 
but that his death will welcome all peoples from all nations. Now, there were many things that Jesus could have said, but I can't think of one thing that would have been sweeter to the ears of these non-Jewish Greeks than what they just heard. And here's the crazy thing. It doesn't stop there. They get earfuls more. In fact, these, these men were somehow privy to some of the agony that Jesus went through. Look what he goes on to say in verse 27. Now my soul is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No. It was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a loud voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Can you imagine requesting an audience with another nation's king and hearing words of welcome followed by a booming endorsement from the skies above? You think maybe those Greeks received a little more than what they expected? John gives us something about Jesus here that we must not miss. Jesus dreaded what was before him. In his own words, it was heart troubling. He knew he was born to die, an eternal being to become a human being that would experience death caused by sin, not his sin, our sin. And his death would mean separation, separation from the Father, something unknown to the eternal being. And in a moment of agony, as Jesus anticipated this separation, he prays to God, Father, should I ask you to get me out of this? And before the Father even has a chance to answer, Jesus comes through with his resolve. No, this is the very reason I came and became a human being in the first place. And in Jesus' resolution to stay the course and to face death and to accept the separation from God on our behalf, the heavens can no longer be quiet. God, he, he has to say something. And from heaven booms his mighty voice. I have glorified you, my very name, before, and I will glorify you, my very name, again. Jesus was more concerned with something being done with our sin, our impurity. He was more concerned about our impurity that would separate us from God than he was concerned about anything else. He was more concerned about our impurity before God than about his returning home right then, right there with God. He was willing to let that delay There is a unique animal that lives in Northern Europe called the Yermin, E-R-M-I-N-E, -E, pronounced Yermin. It is noted for its snow white fur. In fact, it goes to great lengths to keep its coat dazzling white. If you wanted to catch one of these and you talked to some of the indigenous trappers, they would not tell you to use mechanical traps. They would say, no, you, first you need to find the Yermin's home. Find the Yermans home 
It'll be a cleft in a rock or a hollow tree or some hole. And you need to take with you a bucket of tar. And you need to daub that on the entrance to that home, wherever his home is. Just put that all around the entrance. Because you see, when he runs from you and tries to find his home to hide, he will see all of that dirtiness to the entrance of his home and he'll refuse to go home and then you can catch him. Then you got it. You see, to the, to the ermine, purity is dearer than life. It's dearer than the safety of his home. He, he, he'd rather be clean than go home. Jesus dreaded being separated from the Father in death, but he dreaded something more. Nothing being done with our own impurity. So in a moment's decision, he accepted our impurity so that we through him could find our way home. 